This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast Season 2. If you're a hardcore angler, you've come to the right place. The podcast that will interview some of the top local and regional anglers in North America. Anglers who consistently finish near the top in both largemouth and smallmouth bass fishing tournaments. Travis and his guest will discuss techniques and strategies used to help these anglers stay so consistent and help you become a better angler and gain an edge on your body of water. And now, here's your host of the Smallmouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson. Hello, welcome to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast. My name is Travis Manson. Another great week talking with some of the top local and regional tournament anglers across the country. Guys that are consistent when it comes to putting fish on the scale, and they know a thing or two when it comes to bass fishing. We've had some great guests, and tonight's guest is no different. Super excited. To have him on, but before we go there, of course, we got to talk about the real shot. You guys know the drill by now. They got everything you need. Damiki, Damiki, yeah, Damiki, Mega Bass, Kitek. I don't know. Do I even need this script anymore? Probably not. Smallmouth Crush fifteen. That's your code. Smallmouth Crush fifteen. Head on over to realshot.com and they'll hook you up with a bunch of fishing tackle, terminal tackle, high end rods and reels, anything you could ask for. Tell them Smallmouth Crush sent you. How's that for an intro? Brett, how are you doing tonight? Good. Yourself? Man, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk fishing with you. We got uh, we got a bunch of, uh, well, time flies when you're talking fishing. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. I'm but excited to do this. Well, if you could We're just gonna... introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background for viewers and listeners that might not be familiar with you, home body of water, and, and some of the things you got going on when it comes to uh, bass fishing. Hi. For the guys that don't know me, I'm Brett Hobman. I'm from West Michigan. My home body of water would be, I would consider Muskegon Lake. It's a small lake that's off of Lake Michigan, but yet connects to it. So there's channel ways that go from this lake out to the main lake. I fish a bunch of tournaments around here. When I first started my season this year, I had 64 tournaments written down for the summer alone. And that's with working a full-time job with it. So, I mean, guys that think that it comes easy, it doesn't. 64 that's what i started with at the beginning of the year that's crazy and that's just what we fished in uh michigan we just got back from table rock fishing the uh u.s open which was a sweet experience super glad we got a chance to go there um hope we get a chance to go again but man there's so many teams that try to get in there and we got lucky and actually qualified through a series to get us in there uh versus going through one of the uh amateur opens But yeah, we started off Memorial Day weekend and it's been every Saturday and Sunday and we ended up finishing the middle of October for the season. So yeah, we fish probably 30 different lakes around here in Michigan. I would, like I said, I love Muskegon Lake. We get a lot of smallmouth fishing and a lot of uh, largemouth fishing too. Our summer months are actually very notorious for largemouth largemouth fishing versus smallmouth fishing, like most guys think. A lot of our smaller bodies of water, a lot of grass lakes, wood lakes, you're not looking at your typical rock and your sand and your pea gravel and stuff like that. So we got a lot of diverse areas around here. And most people know Kevin Van Dam, he's right from Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's His home body of water is Muskegon Lake. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I figure one of the best in the world learned how to fish on that lake 
I might as well too. It's an interesting uh, body of water. The fact that it's connected to Lake Michigan through a series of canals. Do those fish migrate back and forth? What's what's the deal with that place? So we have a very interesting s- circumstances that happen. So early in the year, the Lake Michigan super cold and all these inland bodies of water, 10, 15, 20 degrees warmer. All those big lakes, mollies come in and they mm. spawn in these inland lakes. So they travel through these canal canalways and we can go in there and you're talking thousands and thousands of smallmouth that are coming through this channel way. And it's how, se- it's 7,500 yards wide. I was going to ask, how wide is that? 75 to 100 yards? How many, to, how many channels are there? So there's only one connecting channel that goes out to Lake Michigan. Ah. Probably a mile long. But you stack 30, 40, 50 boats in there and then everybody's battling it out trying to see who can catch the biggest bag normally two or three guys will come in with 18 to 20 pounds and then the other 30 boats are sitting there just fighting each other all day so i mean there's a different type of battle there they'll come in spawn normally hang out for two to three weeks and then they migrate back out to the main lake and then we have another circumstance where the allies um, live out in lake michigan but they also come into these inland lakes to come in and spawn. So then there again, they follow the allies in. So when the allies come in and spawn, all them smallmouth come in, follow them from the Lake Michigan. And then you go out, you, then you're out chasing bait and trying to find out where the baits are. And you're actually chasing fish that are schooling. Uh, so, I mean, what time of year is that? That spawn normally occur. The normally the end of June mm-hmm. is the ally spawn. The beginning of May is the start of our spawn, and it is normally done by the end of June. But our main spawns normally around May 15. That's when all of our big females are coming up, all the big, all the bigger fish. I'm a firm believer in that all the bigger fish spawn first, and then the two to three pound class fish come in after them fish. So that May 15. You can go out and crack 22 to 24 pounds pretty easy versus going out the first week of June where a lot of people think is prime spawn and you're only catching the three to four pounders and catching 18 to 19 pound bags. Then, yeah, like I said, ally spawns um, end of June. And then normally they go back out into the lake after they spawn. And you got about two to three weeks before the hatchlings are around. So then you're targeting your bluegills, your perch and stuff like that. And then you're dealing with all these hatchlings that are the size of your pinky fingernail and trying to mimic and chase those around because that's what those fish are targeting. So we have so many different circumstances. I mean, that seems like, that seems like a fun, fun place. I mean, you, you said there's a largemouth bite that goes on there too. Oh, absolutely. I've caught, I've won just as much money on largemouth as I have on smallmouth mm. on that lake. Is that the lake you fish a lot of events, or is there other ones that you're fishing more tournaments somewhere else? So that kind of it? I wouldn't say I fish more events there. I fish probably four or five there a year. Uh huh. But a lot of the lakes around here, I fish four or five events on per year. I fish five different series for weekend series. 
And then on weeknight series, I normally fish three or four of them a week. <laughs> so it's it's kind of crazy. So wherever they want to host their tournaments, and then if I see a tournament on a lake that I'm fishing good on, I mean, I don't want to be called a cherry picker, but if I'm catching them there, it's kind of dumb not to go try to make a few bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's kind of how I approach everything. I mean, it's weird. I want to make money doing it, but I don't want to make a job of it. Sure. So it's one of those things. I love doing it and I would love to do it full time. Don't get me wrong financially and stuff like that. It's hard for me to be able to get to the point to where I could go do it, do it for a living. I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. There's so many good anglers out there that just don't get that opportunity. I mean, you're working a job, a full-time job as well. Oh, absolutely. And trying to catch fish. Uh, I mean, it can be tough, but you're doing a great job when it comes to the local bodies of water. What do you think, what makes you be able to stay consistent at the top when it comes to tournament fishing? To me, I would say it comes down to two main things. One, it's the amount of time I have on the water, whether it's on a specific body of water or not. But if I'm around the area, I know I can kind of see what's going on. I might not know exactly where they're at, but I can tell what phase those fish are in. And then second, uh, speed, straight up speed. My trolling motor's on 10. So if, if someone jumps in my boat's not paying attention, they go to turn my boat around, they're probably going to go for a swim. Power fishermen. Love power fishing. Okay. So power fishing comes to mind. A lot of reaction bait. Let's start with this. Let's start with this. What would be one of your favorite techniques? I know that's, there's probably, you probably have a bunch. Swim bait fishing, hands down. Swim baits. Yep. I have a box, like a compartment in my boat is specifically for my swim baits. I have a whole tackle compartment for swim baits alone. Northern bodies of water, swim baits, that could mean a lot. That could mean a 2.8. That could mean a uh, I throw a 4.8. Every... That could mean a, a big glide bait. I mean, what are you throwing? I throw between – Chris Seldane came or came up with a spark shad, made the spark shad famous, catch a ton of fish on the spark shad. Kytex 2.8 all the way to the 4.8s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll throw. I throw all the way to, like, Zoom super fluke. Swimming super flukes, all the way up to like mag drafts. I've caught I've caught largemouth in Michigan on eight inch bass tricks. You really think about an eight inch swim bait? It's not that big, right? So, and I just do. It depends if I'm going for a lot of bites or if I'm going to try to catch two or three big ones. If I'm in a team tournament, I was going to um, say. So this this is a technique I, I asked. You know, what you love to do, but is this something that you, you're doing in tournaments as well? It is. I do it in tournaments a lot. There's a swim bait on the deck of my boat, if not three, every tournament. So there's, I got many different ways. The thing is, I think about it is I could take a swim bait, I can fish it in six inches of water, and I can fish it in 60 feet of water. So, I mean, it's very versatile and it, it replaced crankbaits for me. I can't remember the last fish I caught on a crankbait since I've started really picking apart swim baits. It's it's crazy to think about. I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of crankbaits that I never throw anymore. Wow. It's, replaced it. Yep. Kind of replaced it for me. I mean, crankbaits, I mean, 
if I go down south and I'm fishing the reservoirs and stuff like that, of course, crankbaits are going to come out. But around here in the grass lakes and stuff like that, I just found swim baits are much more versatile. I can get them through the grass. I can bring it through rocks. I can bring it through wood. It's just a matter of how I have to rig it up. Can you can you give us an example of a couple a couple techniques when it comes to swim baits that you use more often than not? And perhaps let's, let's really dive into it because you mentioned a lot, you know, the spark shad, I, you know, I'd like to know if it's the smaller version or if it's the four inch, you know, of course the Kitex, and then we're talking Meg drafts and zoom super, whatever you were saying, I don't even know. So, you know, what, what would be a technique or a way to fish a swim bait? And let's start out in the spring. What are we doing in the spring? So in the spring times, everybody knows Lake St. Clair. I'll go out there and in the springtime, these fish are super potted up. There's a hundred boats fishing these schools of fish and everybody's throwing crankbaits. They're throwing their big swim baits. They're throwing their 3.8 swim baits. I shouldn't call them big swim baits. Yep. Just your standard stuff that most guys hear about. Now I take that little spark shad and put that on six pound line. It's kind of like running a miniature spy bait. So I'll run that around hundreds of people or very pressured fish to try to get those finicky bites. I've had days out there where guys are catching three, three, four pounders, and I'm out there catching the five and a half to six pounders out of the same school of fish. Hmm. Um, it's just a little bit more subtle approach to them. And like I said, I'm throwing it on super light line. I'm throwing six pound braid to six pound floral leader. And just chucking that thing as far as I can on a seven six rod. So I'm using that as a subtle bait. I'm not trying to power fish my little spark shads. Now, if I'm looking for fish and I'm trying to cover water, I'll just tie on a three point eight Tennessee shad on a quarter ounce jig head. You can chuck that thing a mile. You can cover so much water, and then as soon as you get a bite, then you can start picking apart whether there's a bunch of fish there or if it's just one here, one there, or whether it's tournament worthy or not. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these times when I'm fishing these local tournaments, I don't have time to go out and practice. And really, you don't, you really shouldn't need to because Muskegon Lake's a 4,000 acre lake. You could buzz around that thing in no time. I mean, guys around here think that it's a big body of water and you go down south, it's just a creek arm. Mm. So, I mean, it's a little bit different thinking than what those guys have with that. Now, when I'm out running around these lakes without practice, I'm just trying to cover as much water as I can to figure out what they're doing and then try to establish that pattern for that day. And so you utilize that swim bait quite a bit to find them, to move around Abs for that particular Absolutely. Day. Once and, you um, find them, you might switch it up a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I might have to take out a jig or something like that to really dissect and figure out what those fish are doing. But I think if I run a swim bait past a fish's face and twitch it or whatever at the right time, I think he's going to react to it, whether he's just going to bump it or he's going to eat it. So if he just bumps it, then I can come up with, okay, throw another bait in there, try to get it with a follow-up bait or something of that sort. But yeah, it's just a very versatile bait that you can just cover miles and miles of water with and a very little amount of time. All right, I can't let you off the hook just yet. We talked about that spark shed. That that caught my interest. You know, big group of people. We got a bunch of smallmouth, clear water. How are you rigging that thing? 
So I have it on six pound fire line, high vis, to about a 15 to 20 foot uh, six pound fluorocarbon leader. Mm -hmm. It's on the, so it's the head that has the little um, spin blade on it. Yep. And then I'm just threading that spark shad right up on there and then just put a, just a dab of super glue on there to hold it on there because that little keeper on that hook um, doesn't hold them very well. So I just add a little bit of super glue and maybe get an extra fish or two out of that swim bait. Six pound liter. Yep. Is that just distance? <sighs> distance. It's all about distance. Get that thing as far away from the boat as you can. Because mm -hmm. you think about my, let's say my boat alone, I have four graphs on my boat. You think of all that pinging and stuff going around, and I'm even seeing it with the live scope now that these fish are starting to get smart to that. They're seeing your baits 30 to 40 feet in front of your boat now and freaking out versus right under your boat freaking out. So I like to kill all the electronics I can with knowing where I'm at when I'm actually working a group of fish. And then, like I said, Get that thing as far away from the boat as I can. I want it as far away from anything I can because it's such a subtle, small little bait. Well, I mean, obviously, you're able to go around groups of guys fishing, throwing something a little bit different, giving those fish a different look. I mean, that's what it takes, especially in these high-pressured areas like St. Clair when they get up into that zone. I can uh -oh. imagine. Absolutely. And like, I think you think of St. Clair guys are out there all the time, but like our local lakes around here just get throttled. I mean, there's lakes that are getting fish three, four tournaments a week on and just getting pounded on. So, I mean, you're dealing with fish that are seeing baits three to four times a week. I mean, you got to do right. something to try to trick them things again. Out of all these lakes that you have around there, what's your favorite one to just go and have fun fishing. Have you ever heard of Saginaw Bay? Yeah, yep. This year was the first year I've ever been there. That place is unbelievable. Yeah. We were there practicing for one of our big stack payback tournaments, which is one of the singles divisions that I'm in, which we can get into later. We went there one of my days of practice. I, I went out chasing the smallies out there. It's super tough. It was August. Uh, they could be out in the middle of nowhere. I got super frustrated and said, screw it, grab a spinner bait, went and found one of the reed lines there and caught like 20 and 100 yards. And I went, huh. Smallies? Nope, all largemouth. Largemouth. Really? Uh, by the time I got done that day, I had 15 broken spinner baits in the bottom of my boat and I caught over 300 fish on spinner baits. Wow. It was Fun. absolutely unreal. Yes. And then the weather didn't cooperate for the tournament. We couldn't fish the tournament. So. Oh, really? I can't see. Yeah. Yeah. 20 mile an hour out of the Northwest and Saginaw Bay ain't good. Right, right. I get it. So, so you talked about a singles division. What's that all about? There's a guy in Detroit. He came up with an idea and pitched it to a handful of guys about getting a bigger, div bigger local division going. So mm. what he did, he took 40 of the top anglers that what he thought were the top anglers in Michigan and sent them all an invite and we're kind of running it pay. I would say pay wise first place is right around 14 to 15 grand cash pays one out of every four boats. It's a, uh, it's a $1,200 entry fee. It's, it's a 
big money tournament. So, I mean, there's 40 guys, but I mean, there's high probability making your money back and making some money on there if you get on some fish. So that was, that was brand new last year. Uh, we fished on St. Clair for one tournament. Uh, we went one tournament out. One was supposed to be out of Saginaw Bay, and then one was on Black Lake, which is up at the very tip of the lower peninsula. Okay. So last year was the first year that we're going on with the second year. We had the meeting and everything like that recently, and everything went good. We're going on with the next year, and then who knows where that's going to go because the guy that's doing it has the imagination of any more imagination than anybody I know. So I'm super excited to be in, involved with that. I mean, I kind of felt honored. It, all of a sudden, I got that email. I wasn't even expecting it. And yeah. So, yeah, that's been new for me this year and trying to figure out new bodies of water and bigger bodies of water. And So all these events that you fish, a lot of, lot of fishing going on, a lot of tournaments. You know, someone that look looking to get into tournament fishing and, and being able to compete with a guy like yourself, you know, what kind of advice can you give them when it comes to being able to do well consistently at that local level? If someone's getting into it, fish with as many people as you can. Learn yeah. as much as you can because it's all going to come into play at some point. You might not get really good about at it, but you're going to know about it. Mm -hmm. I'm figuring out the more techniques I know about. I might not fish that technique, but I might come up with a different way to fish for that, for those fish. I got, I see guys all the time fishing out in the middle of nowhere going, I have no idea what you're fishing. And then they come in and kick my butt. Right. So, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, get the most knowledge you can. And honestly, go ask some of the guys that are winning. Most of the people that are winning at the local level, they'll tell you exactly what they're doing. Most most of the time, I mean, they'll leave a few little things out, but they'll definitely help you out if Get you're you in. sure. If, if you're nice about it and approach these guys and actually ask them sincerely, they are more than willing to help. It, you get you get so many of these guys. I call them donators. They get intimidated and they don't want to do anything to change. So if you don't change anything, you're not gonna you can't, you're not going to win anything. You might find, you might have one good day out of every three years versus having five wins in a season versus, I mean, if you don't change what you're doing, you're not going to get any better. So I, I think these guys just need to start asking and talking and networking and we're all out there to have fun. A lot of people forget that. Have fun. Talk to these guys. I mean, like I said, I, I like taking the high schoolers out in the springtime before our tournaments start. We have high school teams that go out. I love taking them high schoolers out and teaching them what I know. And they don't get that opportunity very often. So, I mean, I, I love teaching kids and love talking. I mean, I could talk all day about fishing. It's crazy. It can be very intimidating. I mean, you get five, six, seven guys that are consistently winning all the time. And then you just look at them and go, well, how am I supposed to beat them? And then you get them all in one tournament and you go, oh, now I'm not going to win anything. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, all I can say is ask as much, ask for as much information as they'll give. Even if they give you just a little bit, if 10 people give you a little bit, that's a lot of knowledge. Yeah. It's a starting point to uh, hopefully expand. I mean, that's some great Great uh, tips when it comes to getting into tournament fishing. You know, you mentioned the fact that you love 
throwing swim baits and power fishing. What's like your favorite during the tournament? But if you could just pick a couple techniques that you just love to catch fish on, what would that be? Uh, I gotta say it's a swim bait. Even when uh, you're just out I, having dude, fun. I love it. Dialed in. So we've we've talked about the finesse swim baiting and stuff like yes. that. I do a lot of swim baiting with a heavy a seven six heavy with a twenty pound line too. When I'm going largemouth fishing, I'm not throwing it on six pound test. I'm throwing it on a meat stick and putting them in the boat. I mean, I love when they come up and grab that thing and all of a sudden your bait disappears or they try to jerk the rod out of your hand. You don't know what you're going to get. And another thing that's big up here is an umbrella rig. I mean, mm -hmm. that, I mean, it wins probably more money in Michigan than anything. We just have so much bait around here. When that thing is on, it's unbeatable. But I try to, I mean, it's a great search bait for me, but it's not a bait that I'm going to go out and per se crush them on. But I like throwing a five inch hollow belly out and, a grass mat and crush four or five pound largemouth too. We have a couple, we've got coontail and we've got, we've got hydrilla here. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a lot of eelgrass and stuff like that. Eelgrass, I, I absolutely hate. I will not fish around eelgrass. It's a pain in the neck. Just, I don't like to do it while I'm power fishing. You waste more time than not take cleaning your baits up, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally, I like to focus around the coontail patches, your, uh, or when you get, so one lake around here, just as an example, it's got about a mile and a half by half a mile wide flat. It's covered in coontail, but yet it's got all these little holes in there, or it's got little channelways. All these fish are using that, those weeds, this little channelways. So I'll go through in my side scan and figure out where all these channelways are and i'll actually run my swim baits down those lines and try to get a reaction out of them versus trying to throw a sink go around or something like that mm -hmm. just because if i have to throw a sink i can't tell you how many times i've had people tell me just grab a sink go and go catch a fish it's wrong i cannot catch a fish on really? a sink to save my life i mean i can't argue right i mean <laughs> You you got the uh, the stats, but man, I don't even know. You don't like the Senko. Oh, I can't even. I can't stand them. I can take my wife out in the boat. She'll throw in the same hole and she'll catch fish after fish after <laughs> fish, and I'll throw it in there, and I can't get bit. Guess we're not going to talk about the Ned rig tonight. See, now that's different. <laughs> Is it? That's different. Do that's tell. Got, Do tell. That's, that's got a weight on it. Right. <laughs> That gets down there a little bit farther. I can actually feel that. I don't know what it is about a, just a straight stick bait. I cannot right. catch a fish on it. When when you have to, you're able to settle down and fish fish an area if you have to slow if, it down. If, if I need to slow it down, but I'm going to do it with a drop shot. I'm going to do it with a Ned rig, something that has a little bit of weight to it. Mm -hmm. I, like, I, I really like to feel my baits, and I feel I get I catch a few more bites because I'm – feeling them a little bit better than versus on a Senko. I don't know. People don't have any idea how many fish grab that Senko and spit it out. And they have no idea. And a little bit of that bugs me. I might not catch as many fish because I'm not throwing it, but I feel if I take a Ned rig and I can, if I take a five, five inch Senko and throw it on a regular Ned rig, I believe I can get the same bites and I can sure. have more feel with it. So mm -hmm. that's just, 
helped the approach I've taken from it. And I can still take that little Ned rig hook and I can run that through the weeds just as good as you can. If you were to wacky rig a single through there. I'm I'm with you right there for sure. I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask is what's a technique that you just cringe, but I think we know that <laughs> that would be the Senko for sure. Yeah, that is a definite. All right. Good stuff. So I got a couple other questions, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the small mouth crush podcast. Don't rush out to the water just yet. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, I teamed up with Beast Coast Fishing to design this killer little jig. Whether you're fishing for smallmouth, largemouth, even spotted bass, this thing is sneaky. Designed with proven fish-catching characteristics, it's a tiny little finesse football jig. It's called the Open Water Sniper. Of course, it's smallmouth crush approved. They come in a wide variety of different colors. This one here is Sexy Melon. We got Mothman, Straight Black, Green Pumpkins, so you notice they actually have a few less strands than your standard football jig. No weed guard. You're going to be throwing this the same place you're going to throw an open water, say, exposed hook tube. So anytime you're around that type of structure, it's going to work real well in rocks, hard bottom. And all you're going to be doing is dragging this along. You can do a drag and stop, a continuous retrieve. You can put a little tiny swim bait on the back of that. There's so many different ways you can fish this jig. I've put a TRD on the back of it and looked at them on the graph and dropped straight down and just let it sit there. They're going to hit it. They're going to bite it. The whole point of this jig is to actually emphasize the trailer that you're going to use. So notice the small strands. The hook is very stout. It's perfect. It's got an awesome keeper for your plastics. I've caught so many fish on this this year. It will put more fish in the boat. Go check them out. Hey, listen, they got a lot of other great products as well. Beast Coast Fishing dot com and pick yourself up the ow open water sniper jig smallmouth crush approved a lot of great information but you're giving it all up swim baiting finesse big big baits on the on the grass edges a little bit of ned rig action diverse fishery that whole area that you that you do fish i mean that, we do we that, we have so much different stuff that we can do i mean and you're relatively close i mean driving distance i mean you can you're you're on one side you're in lake michigan or you're up St. Clair and Lake Erie. I can be to Lake Michigan in 15 minutes. I could be to St. Clair in two and a half hours. I could nice. be to tra- I could be to Traverse City in three hours. Honestly, I can't picture some of any better smallmouth fishery in the world. I mean, you can go up north and catch great big ones, or you can go to St. Clair and you might not catch an eight pounder, but you're probably you're going to have a chance of catching 50 to 100 fish a day. Right. So, I mean, uh, we, we're so lucky to live in the area that we do because we can fish any technique that we want. So having having the ability to to be able to, to spend time on the water and pick your, pick your tournaments that you want to fish, if you didn't have that option or, or you were – told that, you know, you qualified for a championship on this body of water or, you know, this past season you went down uh, to Table Rock and fished yep. that big event. What type of homework are you doing before you get to a body of water, if any? We'll take Table Rock for the U.S. Open just because it's so recent. I've never been there before. Completely different style of fishing than I thought I was used to. So I did, a, I mean, on the internet now, you can do a ton of research. You can 
I mean, you can look up tournaments from Bassmasters that have been out there for the last 30 years. You can look up local tournament results. You can kind of base on what weights you're going to need. So I kind of figure out what these guys are catching. What weights are these guys catching? What techniques do I need to do to catch these type of weights? And what could I do to possibly get one more bigger bite when I get to that point? So for Table Rock, I learned or was figuring out that a lot of these fish were super deep. So we were down there for five days of practice. Before we got down there, we started talking to a few buddies. They kind of had some areas that they've known of, they've heard about, but none of these guys have ever been on this water. So the first day we got there, we all we did was look around. I mean, we had no idea what it looked like. We did our map studies. Google Earth is huge. Huge, 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 huge. I am setting an iPad up in my boat with Google Earth on it because I think it makes that big of a difference. But you can see, you can see so much just from your phone nowadays that whether you're just hanging out in the living room or whatever, and you can just sit there and look up what's just what's happened around there. What's the weather? What's what's it doing? What's the 10 day forecast doing? Just kind of taking some of the variables in there. Try to learn as much about the system as I can. Not per se mm-hmm. what what they're catching them on, but what's what's happening? What's the weights? What's the weather doing? Is it going to drastically change? So I kind of take that approach to it versus they're catching them on this bait. I have to have it because if I can't find that bait, I don't want to get into my head that while I don't have it, I am not going to catch them now. So I'd like to go and catch them my way. So when we got down there, we had never fished 80 foot of water before. But fishing smallmouth up here, we've caught them in 40 to 60. It's not that much further. So we just kind of took that approach to it and went, all right, we can do this. And just started graphing around and kind of learning what the fish were doing. And then we actually found out that when we were down there, their bait moves a lot like our allies. So we ended up chasing a bunch of bait around and it kind of burned us. But if we would have been able to connect with one school a day, we would have, we would have been in contention. Well, it's a tournament you want to win with that prize package. So you got to take a chance. I would think you got to do something that, that makes sense. So they were that deep. Wow. The deepest one I caught was in 86 feet of water. We were out over 120 feet and we're live scoping all them fish. It was Crazy fun, brutal trying to find them, but crazy fun when he did. Yeah, sounds like it. And I mean, Dang. you're using half to three quarter. I mean, I was cutting my flipping weights down to get my drop shot down there faster, trying to chase these fish around because none of them would hold still long enough to get your bait down in front of them. Oh, sure. So it was it was crazy. It was a crazy learning experience. And I bet. actually, I'm going to take some of that stuff and try to apply it up here. Absolutely. Um, I think it's going to, I think it has the potential to be pretty deadly up here. And then I was talking to Cody Huff when I was down there and he's like, uh, you need to let me know if it works up there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds like it was a blast down there. A lot going on. Hopefully, hopefully some of the stuff you learned, uh, you can bring back to Michigan and, uh, and do some damage this coming, this coming season. So I always ask everybody on the show, I want to know your personal best, uh, whether it be, uh, I guess really anywhere in the country, but I'd love to know your personal best in, in Michigan as well. So my my very personal best, I really don't consider a personal best. I kind of cheated with it. Okay. Um, 
I got an eight and a half pounder in Florida, but I was shiner fishing. Ah, there you Don't go. Don't consider that one as my personal best. That's Fair enough. Cheating. Biggest one I ever caught was on Elk Lake uh, up in Traverse City, Michigan. It was a seven pound, one ounce smallie. Nice, nice. So that was the biggest, by far the biggest one I've ever caught. I've got a lot in the low sixes, but I've right. never been been able to creep up towards that seven pound mark again. It's kind of frustrating. I know I'm around them. I just got to catch them. They're there. So my next question, I think we already know the answer for sure. If there's, one <laughs> bait, if there's one bait you'd have to use for the whole season, what would it be? Without a doubt. We're going to go with the swan bait. All right, what kind? Which one? What's it going to be? 3.8 Kytec. 3.8 Kytec. Color? Tennessee Shad. Tennessee Shad. I don't doubt it. I think you could put them in the boat. That's, that's about as versatile as I can get. <laughs> well, this was great. Great information. I mean, I really uh, appreciate you coming on. You do have a, a really good track record when it comes I, to tournament I, fishing. I appreciate you having great. me. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. This is a lot of fun. How can people follow you? Keep up with what you what you what you got going on. Most of the stuff I have on Facebook right now, I haven't been huge into the social media. I know I need to get more into it. I just actually started working with Pure Fishing a little bit, and they okay. told me to get onto my social media. Yeah. So, but for right now, it's mainly my Facebook, and then I'm going to fire off and try to get do some like bait demos, try to do some fishing time on the water with GoPros, stuff like that. Just kind of let people know what's going on and follow along if they want to because i have fun with it and if they want to learn something it'd be a good way for them to learn we're going to put those links in the description below you're always welcome back I'd like to have you perhaps on a live show in the future absolutely i'd love if to do it for that love talking absolutely to cool absolutely well it's a done deal awesome man i appreciate you having me great and as always guys until next time we'll see you on the water Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram at Smallmouth Crush. Also, the YouTube channel, Smallmouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water.